Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York, six weeks to fitness podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you to live a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Hi, I'm Vince Ferguson. Welcome to Six Weeks to Fitness, episode 185. Thank you so much for joining me today. Brittany Conkey is a certified personal trainer and strength coach out of Temecula, California. Her mission in life is to guide others towards a life of balance, confidence, and strength so they can be the absolute best version of themselves in every sense of the way. Brittany specializes in showing people what's possible and to actually take away the impossible, which is great. And I'm so happy to have her on the show today. Brittany, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. But before we discuss your fitness journey, let's discuss your childhood. Did you grow up in Temecula? No, I actually grew up um, in the south suburbs of Chicago. I was born and raised there. Wow. So what was your childhood like? Um, like every Midwest kid, I mean, I played a variety of sports. My main sport was softball. Um, so, you know, it was all about doing all of the things. And then also with that, eating a lot of great Midwest food, you know, great Chicago food. So, you know, my childhood was very much just about, um, not so healthy behavior. Like in one aspect, it was healthy because I was playing sports, but in other aspects, it just wasn't, you know, it was the typical Midwest life. Wow. But your passion was softball. Where did that, yeah. passion, where did that passion come from? You know what? I was very blessed that my parents put me in a variety of things. Um, when I was real young, I was in ice skating. I tried my hand at gymnastics and then they were just like, well, you want to try softball? And so that just kind of stuck. And um, I played basketball and volleyball as well throughout high school, but I more so used that just to stay in shape for softball. Wow. But you went from being a collegiate softball player to becoming a fitness competitor. But what attracted you to fitness competition? So when softball was done, I was like most college athletes. I was like, well, what next? Like that has been such a huge part of my life. And now, and even my identity, now what? So at the time I was at a gym where um, a trainer had suggested, hey, maybe you should try your, your hand at this fitness competition thing. And I was already enamored by, you know, the girls on Oxygen, Fitness RX, all of those magazines back in the early 2000s. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I can do this. I want to do this. I want to look like them. And um, that then led the, the start of the journey, so to speak. Right. But now most people would think after becoming a fitness competitor that that would be the start of your career in, as a fitness competitor. But what happened to you? actually was a little different. It wasn't what you expected. What happened that kind of started you on a downward spiral after that fitness competition? Yeah, so back then I was 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. So I was completely clueless on how any of this worked. I was more or less, okay, I see these beautiful women, they're in shape, whatever. That's how they look all the time. And yeah. so I embarked on this journey and during this journey, I was doing everything that would be quantified as bro science, right? Like the typical, you know, eat chicken and rice and broccoli for five meals out of the day, do two hours of cardio, everything that 
were trying to get away from, I was doing. And that basically led me into, into my show. I was the lightest I have ever been. I walked on stage at 110 pounds. Um, And then after that show, no one really talked about how to live your life in a balanced, sustainable way. Like I thought you just lost the weight and you looked like that forever. Right. So I quickly rebound, gained, I was 170 by the time five, six months had passed from that show. I was drinking a lot, binging everything that you could think of that was the total opposite of health. And it just sent me into a spiral of depression and, and just almost like lost, you know, I had achieved this monumental milestone and then it was gone. Wow. So what did you do? I mean, that must've been really shock. shock Yeah. Well, I didn't do anything for about seven years, to be honest. Um, Most of that time was spent just numbing out with food, partying and, and, staying away from the gym, to be quite honest. So I finally got my stuff together. Um, Thankfully, a friend of mine, uh, they introduced me to a a thing called CrossFit. And so I found this thing called CrossFit. (laughs) And I went to the gym that it was at. And I was so blessed that that gym only used the CrossFit name um, to affiliate, but they weren't a CrossFit gym. They were very much focused on educating people on not only the physicality of movement, but what health really was and what proper nutrition was and all of that. So that kind of like kickstart my journey into what it is now. And it, it's all because of that gym and one particular trainer that showed me what was possible, that I didn't have to do all of these gimmicks that everything that was kind of mainstream fitness was not really the truth of what being strong and healthy really was. Wow. So basically you went and you learned how to work out properly and how to eat properly to actually transform your life. But what did you do with that information? So I used it to help others. So I found through CrossFit, one of the main things that I had not had you know, in conjunction with all of the knowledge was I've never used a barbell, even as a college athlete, there was no barbell strength training. And I was very blessed in that CrossFit gym to be in a program called Girls Gone Strong, where it was basically a girls only class that focused on teaching us the basic lifts. And from that, that program, I entered then into the world of powerlifting and it completely changed my life. And just the way that I look at training, you know, training didn't need to be about beating yourself up and, and making it such a a huge part of your life that you couldn't achieve balance. You know, it was more about training smart, not hard. Hmm. And so now I've used those same principles to help others, especially other women see that it's, it's not like this. You don't need to be doing three hours of cardio to look your best and feel your best that you can actually use the gym as a supplement to your life. Mm, Nice. And you don't have to starve yourself either. Yes. It's quite the opposite. Like you want to eat like this, this whole like low calorie thing was not, it's not realistic and it's not sustainable. So it was about learning how to view food as nourishment and fuel and not something that you have to restrict or even be fearful of because truth be told Vince like there was a time where I feared fruit 
I feared fruit because it had sugar and I didn't want to get fat, you right. know? And so these were the, the things that I acquired on my journey and talking with other women. I know they had the same thing. I know they had the same kind of thoughts that mainstream fitness had put into their mind that, oh, you can't have this. It's bad. Right. Amazing. And so many women need and people need to hear that, you know, mm -hmm. hear that story. So your focus now is on strength training and showing women what's possible. Right. But why is it that most women fear strength training? They fear training with weights. Right. I think it's just this the huge misconception. You know, if you look back at the 80s and 90s, it was all about the aerobics and the light dumbbells. And you don't want to get too bulky. And and that was also our our icons, so to speak, our supermodel body type. And I think as time has gone on, we've seen how unattainable that is for probably 99% of people that, you know, that many of our genetics don't allow for that, but it's more or less about, you know, looking inward and, and doing things so you can be the best version of yourself and not using this comparative model to say, oh, well, that's healthy. So I need to look like that. It's no, we're going to focus on building what's within you and focusing on the progress that you can make. And strength training is just one of the best ways to do that. I mean, there, there's nothing more powerful than saying, okay, I, you know, one day I deadlifted 50 pounds and then I worked really hard. And a year later I, I made it up to 150, whatever it may be. So it's not this like subjective model of comparison. It's all inward. Interesting. Now, when most people look at uh, fitness comp competitors like yourself starting out, you're going to look at pictures of women on in the magazines. And most people, most women say, oh, well, I want to look like that woman. So is that is that healthy or she look or she look like the best version of yourself? I think you should look like the best version of yourself. I think there's nothing wrong with looking at another person and saying, wow, they look amazing. That inspires me. But I think it becomes this I think it's a line that you have to tell. You have to look at it as inspiration, but know that you yourself are not going to look like that. But at the same time, if you're starting to compare and say, oh, well, I don't look like that, that's where it becomes unhealthy. Hmm. Very interesting. Now, how do you get women to actually understand that, to get that message though across to them? To be honest, it's a lot of inner coaching. It's a lot of dialogue with women. You know, a lot of the coaching that I do is not just, okay, here's your training plan. Here's your nutrition plan. Go do it. Because the truth of the matter is most women have such underlying beliefs that they don't realize are the, the blocks that inhibit them from actually achieving their goals. And I, I would say it's not even just women. It's, it's a lot of people. You know, they think that it's, it's one, that it has to be one way, but they don't realize sometimes how their mind and these, these subconscious beliefs are really the limiting factors in that. Do you blame, um, advertisements for that? You know, I think there's a huge part of the fitness industry that has now created this idea that the journey needs to be quick and easy. And it's far from that. It is not a quick journey and it's not an easy journey. It's not linear. Right. Um, and so I, I have a, a strong distaste sometimes for the fitness industry because it does lead people down this, this misconception of what fitness and health is and what it really does take to 
look the best part, you're, you know, the best version of yourself when we're speaking in terms of like a fitness competitor body, it's not going to just take 12 weeks. It's not going to be easy. You are going to struggle. You are going to be hungry. You're going to be tired, but that doesn't mean you need to take that extreme in order to be healthy or to, um, be happy with your body or lose weight. Like, I think that's also the big part of it is the fitness industry likes to have things be an extreme, you know, it's either super easy or super difficult, or in order to achieve your goals, you have to, you know, do 75 hard or whatever it is that the fitness industry doesn't realize there, there needs to be balance. And that's the only way that you're going to continue on this journey is if you have that balance. Hmm. And, and as you know, the fitness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry with a B billion dollar. So they make their money off of these false uh, Mm -hmm. advertisements. So here you come and you're like, okay, it doesn't have to be that hard. Okay. Or it's not that easy. You want to make it a lifestyle. Right. Most people today want it quick. Exactly. We'll look at everything that's around us or social media. You know, I think a, a social media post, you get people's attention for what? Nine seconds, 15 sure. at most. Yes. You know, yes. so now you're telling someone, well, it could take you six months to lose 30 pounds. And they're like, what? I just saw in the advertisement. It took them eight weeks. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's like, how do you compete with that? Mm-hmm. But you have your own personal story, all right, to, to show what's possible. Now, are you thinking about entering another fitness competition in the future? I am. I, I've actually decided that next year I'm going to embark on that challenge. So I've not been on stage since 2005, I think. Um, so obviously a lot has changed yes. and I more so want to do it not to say, oh, look at me, like I'm going to walk on stage, but for an internal validation of I can do this the right way. And I can do it in a way that um, is healthy. And and I think that one good thing about social media as of the last five, six years is now there's more people talking about this stuff. And there's more people that are showing, hey, you can do, you can have this goal and it's perfectly acceptable to have this goal, but do it in a healthy way. And here's how to do it. And here's most importantly, how to reverse your way out of it, because it's not sustainable. You're not going to look like this. You're not going to be able to live like this the rest of your life, but here's how to do it so that you can exit out of that appropriately. Hmm. So now you're going to go on stage again next year, right? So, you know, and you know, the, the month this is, we're in no, the end of November, December yeah. now. So what month are we talking about? I'm hoping end of summer. So July, August, I really need to look for a show to be quite honest. And with the whole COVID thing, you know, things change all the time, but with the new wellness category, that really, that really speaks to me. So back when I competed, there was no bikini, there was no physique. It was figure bodybuilding. That was it. And then fitness, you know, where they actually do the routines and stuff. Yes. So now with bikini on the, you know, horizon physique figure, and wellness, I find that my body type is more in line with wellness. And I think that's one good thing about what has happened in the bodybuilding competition world is they realize like not every woman is either wanting to or capable of being this body type. So let's open it up 
to yes. various types. Oh, most definitely, definitely. And that's a good idea that they're doing that. Yeah. So now in your preparation to get back on stage next fall, all right, when do you start thinking, okay, I need to start eating for that date? When do I start exercising with that date in mind? Or do you even think about that? So, uh, yeah, I do. I'm going to take the long game approach. So I'm looking at, I'm probably going to be anywhere from a 16 to 20 week period so that I can give myself leeway. I can take diet breaks. I can make sure that I do the long game. You know, I take it slow. I'm never going to put myself in a situation where I need to go into extremes, especially if I know something is you know, so far out. So I think that's also how I help clients too, is I tell them, look, we're not looking at this as an eight to 12 week program. Like I'm giving you the tools that you're going to be able to use for the rest of your life, but we have to play the long game because truth be told, the more that you yo-yo, the harder this is going to become for you. Most definitely. And the reason I even asked about that, because I know during your first competition, you trained so heavily, so hard for it, that, and you were hoping that your body would peak at that time, but instead the opposite happened, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. now you say the long game, because this is where your body can adjust to it slowly, mm -hmm. and it's not gonna be as a drastic, uh, not gonna be so drastic to your body where it's gonna affect it negatively. You'll be able to continue living your life even after the contest, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And, wow. and I'm also going into it, I think, with a much better mindset of um, this is for me. It, whether I place or I'm dead last, like I really don't care. I, it's more or less I can prove to myself that I can go back into this journey and come out of it stronger than ever and that this journey is not going to kill me like it did the last time. Huh. Good point. So you can still, yeah. you can live your life after. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. So when you tell someone that you want to give them, what'd you say, a balance in their life, um, confidence in their life and strength. Yeah. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. so, yep. Yeah. So explain that balance, confidence and strength. So I think that, you know, especially for women, I don't exclusively just work with women, but that seems to be what is most attracted. I, you know, we have this idea that you need to be all things. And with that, you often put yourself last. And I want to change that narrative that you can be the best that you can be. You can be the best mom, the best business owner, the best mm -hmm. whatever, and still be the best version of yourself. And it starts with yourself. Because you can't be all of those other things if you don't work on you first. Yes. And I think that there's also this idea that in order to be the best version of yourself, that you need to kill yourself and you need to go to extremes, then it needs to be super difficult and hard. And that's not the case. Like you need to take care of yourself during that process and have that balance where, yes, you might need to do hard things, but you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself at the same time. Oh, most definitely. Very well put. And so many women, like you said, feel like they have to be all things to all people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing. Yeah. You, like the individuality aspect of things, um, you know, the whole body positivity movement. I like mm -hmm. aspects of it, but other aspects I don't. I think that you it's very appropriate to love your body no matter what size you are. That's something that should come inward. Yes. However, you are not 
um, body shaming or, you know, against your body, if you want to be a better version of it, that's perfectly acceptable too. I think everyone should strive to be a better version of themselves, but it shouldn't come at the expense of killing yourself and belittling yourself and things like that. Hmm. So it's important to have a coach that's not going to do that to you. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, right. And to constantly remind you that, you know, you're on this journey, you're doing the best that you can at the moment, and it's just going to take time and patience and, and you'll get there. Just trust yourself. You know, hmm. that's, that's actually been a, a pretty common phrase I've been using lately with clients. And I don't know if it's a mirror for me or for whatever, but it's right. trust yourself, trust your process, but also trust yourself. And I think a lot of people just don't trust themselves. Hmm. Good point. I also say to people, listen to your body. Yes. Yes. Huge, huge point. Um, I found that out the hard way in my powerlifting career. You know, there would be many times where I'd just push, push past injury, push, push, push. And it would get to the point where it would delay, it would derail me. You know, most recently I was going to do a meet that was actually last weekend and I had to pull out of it about a month prior to, because I didn't listen to my body. I was not ready to go back into that kind of type of training and, you know, yes. that's where it's at. <laughs> yes. So you compete as a power lifter? Well, the last time I competed was 2019 pre COVID. I did a USAPL nationals. And that was in October of 2019. I had set my, my horizon that, okay, in 2020, I'll take a little bit of a break, but then do a meet to qualify me for 2021, either Arnold or um, uh, nationals again. Well, then COVID hit. So then obviously everything changed. Yeah. And um, I made the decision this July, no. August, maybe September. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and compete in powerlifting and I'm going to do a uh, show and I'm going to do both of them in 22. And I saw that this meet that was literally right down the street from my house was coming up. Uh, like I said, this past weekend. So I tried to rush a right. training plan and yep. Rookie but, mistake, but it is what it, it is. It is what it is, but also as your experience, you know? Yes. Yes, exactly. When it, comes, when it comes to nutrition, do you find that training for a show, training as a power lifter nutrition is different from training for a competition show nutrition? Yes and no. I mean, I, that's why I think I fell in love with powerlifting because it was like, okay, I can literally have whatever I want to eat. I don't need to be so focused on food. Um, but at the same time, you, you have to make a weight class, right? So there is this other element of um, mental toughness that you have to kind of put yourself through. And I think for me, that was a little bit easier than having to be subjected to, okay, this is not only the way that I look, but now I'm going by someone else's standards. Like I'm a, a girl with a, a bigger legs. And for the longest time, I looked at that as like, I'm not proportional. I need to shrink my legs. I need to do this. And then I just got to the point, even when I was powerlifting, I was like, no, that's something to celebrate. Like that's, that's my moneymaker, so to speak. So that that's really why I also fell into powerlifting because it was like, it wasn't about what you weren't. It was about what you were and what you could do. Mm, yes. I guess complimenting your, your innate ability, your strength. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right, not fighting it. Yeah. Not fighting what, what is about you, your individuality. That's amazing. 
Now, I know you are a trainer and a coach, but mm -hmm. so who are your ideal clients, you know, and how do you work with them? Yeah, I think if I had to qualify what a, an ideal client is, it's someone who's just done with the extremes, done with the gimmicks of the fitness industry and done with done. constantly trying to lose the, the last 10 pounds and do this. Like they just want to be the healthiest, best version of themselves. And they're just at this point where they're like, I just want to make this a part of my life. And I want to get out of my own way so that I can do that. So well, these are, these are moms also that, you know, they want to show up for their kids so that they can play with their kids and not feel out of breath, you know, business owners who are running companies, but they need fitness to fit their life so that they can show up in different areas. Hmm. And your clients are trained virtually or in person? Both. So I train out of uh, West Coast Training Center in Temecula, California. That's where I have my online clients and then, or I'm sorry, my in-person clients. And right. then I have online clients as well. I mean, I have some, you know, on every end of, of the country. So, yeah. Nice. So is it easy to, to correct your client's form when they're online? Are you able to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So that is, I think one thing that was uh, for a long time, I was coaching power lifters and, and athletes. So they would send me their videos of their lifts and I was able to, you know, coach them through that. And so I use, you know, software that allows me to, to provide feedback and, and see those videos. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty seamless in that way. Amazing. And what about nutrition? You give some, some nutrition advice as well. Yeah. So I operate under what's called like the three tier nutrition system. So I always meet people where they're at. There's no like blanketed. Here's your meal plan. That, that is the one thing that's my one core value that I will never do because that is the exact thing that kind of got me into the mess that I got into. So three tier system, we start with habits. I'm sure, you know, some people like getting them to consistently eat vegetables and build that habit is just where they're at. And so that's where we start. We start with that. So once we can build, you know, healthy habits, nice. veggies, water, whatever it may be, then we'll go into a meal plan approach, but it's more or less, I help you create structured meals that fit for you. So you don't like chicken. Great. We can find a different protein option for you. And here's the structure, the framework, and we're going to work on that together. And I think that's one thing that's really missing in the meal plan approach. And so many people are like, oh, just give me a meal plan. It's like, well, what if you don't like what's on the meal plan? And what if, what if life happens and you can't do the meal plan? What are you going to do then? So we start, we go into that kind of structured, I hate to call it a meal plan, but I don't know what else to call it. So that's that. Right. And then from there we go into flexible dieting, you know, and some people like myself, flexible dieting is something that saves them. I can literally have whatever I want. And wherever my caloric needs are for that day or for that cycle, like I make it work. Some people never get there and that's okay. Like calorie counting and tracking is just too much for them. That's okay. Then we stay in that kind of meal plan templated approach and we use accountability, you know, such as journaling and talking and things like that. Nice. How often do you see your clients? It just depends. You know, I have some clients that I see three times a week. Um, everyone I talk to daily though. So I use, like I said, software where they're doing daily check-ins. And I think that that really helps not only keep the client coach relationship strong, 
but it also helps with client accountability because they know that they have to do a daily check-in. And it's nothing bad. It's just, you know, how was your day? How's your stress, your energy, things like that. We always talk about wins. Every day I'm asking someone, what was their one win for the day? And I have found that, you know, big or small, when people can look at the, the wins that they accumulate, it helps progress them forward and they see how much progress they have made. Wow, it's so realistic and there's no cookie cutter approach, I see. No, no. You want it individual and you work with them, which is, which is great. I like what you said about the meal plan, because again, like, like you said, if I don't like chicken, what else can I have? Right. You're not forcing someone to have food that they don't like. No, because at no. the end of the day, you're just going to, it's not going to be sustainable. Sustainability. Yeah. That's, that's the big word there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So how can my audience find out more about Brittany Conkney and... Uh, Sure. Yeah. So I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram just under my name. So Brittany underscore Conkey on Facebook or my website, BrittanyConkeyTraining.com. Wow. That's awesome. Awesome, Brittany. Any other information you'd like to share with my audience? I would just say, you know, look at this journey as something that's never ending. Always be a student and always know that your happiness and success is possible. Just stay the course. Hmm. Stay the course. Very good. Yeah. Brittany Conkey, on behalf of Body Scope of New York, that's my nonprofit organization out of New York, and Six Weeks of Fitness, I want to really thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you were great. And to my listeners, I hope this program was informative, inspiring, and encouraging, and that you will continue tuning in to our Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please leave them in the comment section below or email me at events at sixweeks.com. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, we don't stop exercising because we grow old. We grow old because we stop exercising. <laughs>